You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into the QB Sco Show. This is episode 57, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. And as always, I am joined by the quarterback one in our hearts, in our minds, here to talk with us about quarterbacks in the draft. We're going to be talking about developmental prospects with my co-host, Mark Schofield at Mark Schofield. Make sure you're following his work at Pat's Pulpit, Touchdown Wire. They're doing a great job there. Mark. I'm actually handling the the historical reference today, but how are you doing, brother? I'm doing well. We are we are doubling up on historical references, and then I'm going to have a little bit of Mark's life notes for quarantine time at the <laughs> end of my historical reference, just to throw that out there. But I'm doing well. I know we got a fantastic DM that you're going to talk about here at the outset. Yeah. A shout out to gentle listener uh, Craig Salah. Sorry if I'm butchering that last name. I mean, it's a protected account, so I'm sure he doesn't want to get bombarded with people anyway. But he sent me an article that was uh, published about a battle site discovered recently. So, again, if you're new to the QB Sco show, we tend to go off the path in the beginning of the show. We're going to be talking about developmental quarterbacks in this podcast and breaking down guys that maybe the Eagles could be targeting in day three of the NFL draft. So if you want to get to that, probably fast forward five, six minutes from this point on. This is from the Daily Mail published this morning. The site of Hannibal's first great battle has been discovered by scientists. His army of 25,000 men and 40 war elephants defeated a 100,000 strong horde of Spanish tribesmen in a battle which cemented Hannibal's reputation as a warfare savant. The clash occurred on the banks of the Tagus River between Drebes and Alana in Guadalajara in 220 BC, according to new research. Now, there's a passage about this in Carthage Must Be Destroyed by Robert Miles, which I, I finished up recently, which I will read from now, quote, Hannibal spent the first two years of his generalship mopping up opposition and expanding Barca territory towards the northwest of Spain. He would soon prove his genius as a military commander. Not only did he storm a number of important Celtiberian strongholds, but he also showed great cunning in his destruction of a dangerous enemy force. In the spring of 220 BC, finding themselves threatened by a formidable foe, Hannibal and his army feigned retreat by crossing the river Tagus and set up camp on its left bank. The trap was now baited by leaving enough space between his trenches and the banks of the river to encourage the enemy to attack. When the enemy started to cross the river, they found themselves under attack from the Barkid Cavalry. Those who managed to struggle across found 40 of Hannibal's war elephants waiting to trample them underfoot. Hannibal then crossed the river with the rest of his army to deliver the coup de grace, this victory was so emphatic that others now knew not to test the military worth of the young general. Of course, he then goes on to Saguntum. This was before that smacks him up, like to the point where the people in Saguntum were pretty much burning their own in a, in a mass suicide. So that's that's our fun historical fact of the day. Shout out to Craig for, uh, for bringing to that Craig. to our attention, man. That's that's awesome. That's fantastic stuff. I did want to share something here at the outset um, as Perhaps many of you 
um, are, are experiencing right now. I've been thinking about exercise because we're cooped up. But how, how much weight have you put on? I Listen, I've seen numbers on the scale that I have never seen before, okay? Yeah. Like, it's bad enough I hit north of 200. Me too. Like, when you're starting to see, like, a two and then a one? Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. So, I've been thinking about exercise. And then, of course, look, given the, what we do on this show, I was thinking about the Spartans. Because it's like, look, they didn't have, like, awesome gyms to go to. Like, you know, Spartans, they weren't walking down to, like, Lifetime Athletic to, like, do a <laughs> cardio class or something. And so, I started reading this fantastic article. It's called Athletics and Social Order in Sparta in the Classical Period. It was published in Classical Antiquity. That's right. Remember, folks, I got a subscription to the JSTOR for this show <laughs> so I could pull out articles like this. And it was talking about all the things that Spartans did to sort of keep themselves healthy. And, for example, they used to play this game. It was called – it was a rough team sport that was held on a small island in a place in Sparta called Platanistas. The plant tree grove. Two teams crossed bridges onto opposite sides of the island and then tried to drive each other into the water. Posnisas writes that, in quote, in fighting they strike and they kick and they bite and they gouge out each other's eyes. Thus they fight man against man, but they also charge in serried masses and push each other into the water. A vague reference in Plato's laws to train and inspire that involved, quote, Battles against each other using the hands, close quote, has been read by some scholars as a reference as to what took place here and may indicate that this sport was also played during the classical period. Another thing that the Spartans did was obviously athletics was part of their education system. And Spartan boys were divided, as Mike, you well know, into three classes. You had the youngest and then the middle-aged kids and then the older-aged kids. And part of what they did was sort of an initiation when you were set to move from one age group to the next. Like, for example, that quote-unquote game they would play where the middle-aged kids had to try to steal cheese at an oracle and the older kids were armed with whips to like beat them back and if you were able to steal the cheese you were able to graduate to the next level so this is a long-winded way of me saying that look it's been tough to find time to exercise all right like we can't get to the gym we're struggling so i wanted to share with the gentle listeners a little mark's quarantine tip peloton the company we all ridiculed around christmas time when they had that ridiculous ridiculous commercial with the guy that buys his wife the bike and she's like shooting the videos. Be that as it may, (laughs) they have made their on-demand classes available for free for 90 days. Oh, nice. You don't need a credit card, nothing. Just an email address to sign up. You can get their classes on demand. You don't need a bike. For some of them, you don't need anything. They're just like, you could do like a body weight routine. Like you could do, break it up by instructor, upper body, lower body, cardio, high interval intensity training. Like just go to Peloton, sign up. You can do it on your phone. I've been doing these twice a day now for the past week and that number that was creeping into the teens with the two in front of it has started to come back down Mm. so we got that going for us mike which is nice but kids you can just you know 90 days sign up take advantage of the time maybe you know it will work for you it's something it's better than sitting on the couch and throwing peanut butter cups down the gullet every night like i have been known to do well here's what i'm gonna do mark not that I'm just gonna get. I'm just gonna get fat, eating Swiss rolls, doing my thing. Cause I'm definitely getting up there. And look, the quarantine fifteen is real. It's super it's real. legit. Like <laughs> I was just about at like two oh one, like right when this dropped. Cause I had like you know once the season ends, I can get back into the gym. I can get into the routine. And like I said, I, the quarantine fifteen is real. Yeah, it's legitimate. I, I was one eighty five. I'm two oh five right now, bud. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's getting real. The other takeaway I had from that, that whole Spartan thing, like, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Right. They didn't they didn't care if you stole, killed, all that stuff. As long as you survived and didn't get caught, they did not give a darn. And, of course, the other thing, you know, finding ways to exercise at home. Athletes are doing this, too, in preparation right. and, and throughout the offseason. And I think one of the things that you're going to see in the next season, this is a totally different rant than, than what we're going to talk about today as far as the meat and potatoes go, but, like, injuries for athletes that have had trouble finding ways to, like, really – work out the way they normally would and get their bodies acclimated to that. I think injuries, especially early in the season training camp, if they have it, depending on when everything is, I think it's going to be a big factor this season. Yeah, I mean, look, we could get into these chuckleheads we're going to talk about in a little bit, like because they are chuckleheads. Yeah. Like, in a, in a very affectionate way, they are chuckleheads. Yeah. But this season's going to be a mess. Like, and it's going to be in a, a glorious mess. I mean, first of all, this draft is going to be a glorious mess, okay? Yeah. Because we were talking before we got on, Mike, about the difficulties we've had, like, with our kids, like, doing Zoom meetings. And for the most part, like, kids these days, they can figure stuff out pretty quickly. David Gettleman isn't figuring out how to mute his mic on a Zoom call. Like, it's going to be chaos on Thursday night. And we're hearing stories about the league with their, like, mock draft that they did on Monday. We're recording this Tuesday where the bandwidth was an issue. One head coach was saying that he couldn't get on because his kids were probably streaming Trolls World Tour on their iPads. Like, (laughs) it's going to be a mess for those of us that have to cover it. Like, we're not going to get any sleep Thursday night because you know it's going to roll into, like, the two o'clock hour in the morning because they're going to keep pausing the clock. Yeah. But then when we get to an actual season, like, first of all, injury is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Like, these guys aren't going to be ready. Mm-hmm. The on-the-field product, once it hits the field, isn't going to be great. Yeah. You know, you're not going to have all the practice time that you usually have. And let's not forget, practice time's already restricted under the CBA. And the other thing is, how impactful are these rookies going to be? Right. Like, if you're Cincinnati – how comfortable are you – two questions here. A, how comfortable are you with Joe Burrow? You know, you're going to be comfortable drafting him, but how comfortable are you like playing him right away? And B, does that mean – is that why we haven't seen an Andy Dalton trade yet? Because they're probably thinking Burrow might not be ready week one even though he's the cleanest quarterback in this group. Because there might not be a rookie, uh, a right. rookie training camp. Right. I think that's why it's important to not move the draft back as much of a mess as, as it's going to be. Get this playbook. Get their contact with the coaches as early in this process that you can. Life is hard enough for a rookie. They're drinking water through a fire hose, so you have to get them in there, get the playbook to them, especially if you're not having rookie mini camps, especially if you're not going to have a full training camp. It's very important. Yeah, it's it's. remember, and I try to stress this often when people talk about like rookies coming into the NFL, this is the longest, weirdest, strangest job interview, period. Like, just think about Joe Burrow's life. And he didn't even go to the Senior Bowl. But you have the National Championship game, and then you're in combine tr- prep and training and go to the combine. He doesn't even participate in the combine. But still, it's like this full-on sprint. And then you get into rookie mini camps and the OTAs and stuff. Like, you don't get a chance to really catch your breath. Joe Burrow only had it because he manufactured what he said. Look, y'all, I'm going to California for two weeks and sitting on the couch and eating Cheetos. <laughs> and good for him. Yeah. But for the rest of these guys, like – you know, if you're a Justin Herbert, it's the senior bowl and then it's the combine training because you've got to do all that stuff. It's this like sprint and then you're going to get thrown into the wolves and drink from that fire hose. It's next to impossible. Now you're going to have to do it largely on your own. Mm. Like what's Burrow going to do? I guess the closest thing he could do is fire up Madden. And, you know, guys do this. Like Bridgewater I actually read this. Bridgewater did it. Breeze has done it. Like yep. it's it, you can do it. It's one thing when virtual Von Miller is coming after you. 
It's another thing when Vaughn Miller is actually coming after you to like learn the playbook. It's going to be a mess. And I do think that that's why we haven't seen an Andy Dalton trade because they don't know if Burrow is going to be ready week one. You mentioned virtual. What about virtual reality as a, as a tool for these guys? Because some teams do use that as well just to get Stanford. those mental reps. Yeah, Stanford yeah, uses it. I mean, it, Stanford yeah. uses it. Remember a couple of years ago, their kicker drilled like a 50-yarder and beat Notre Dame. And he said that, look, I had visualized and executed that kick all week long through their virtual reality trainings. I, cool. I've I've wanted to some offseason to go to like Stanford or one of these schools that uses it to see what it's like. Yeah. But I don't know of any NFL teams that have that. Right. I think if you're a team like Cincinnati, you're on the phone with Stanford right now or right. weeks ago being like, how do we get that set up yep. for Joe Burrow and like install it in his house? 100%. Like, or with the condo he moves to. Or that's the other thing to think about. Like, if you're a rookie, can you, like, in this climate, I guess restrictions are getting eased, but can you, like, buy a condo and move to Kentucky or the suburbs of Cincinnati? Like, can you do that? And even or is then- Burrow going to be doing this? Like, apparently, he's living with his parents right now. Right. And his mom's cooking, like, five meals a day. Are they going to install the virtual system at his parents' house? Oh, it's fascinating. It's a mess. <laughs> so the team that has the uh, the leg up on virtual reality may get some uh, extra benefits out of, the, out of that against the teams like, I don't know, the New York Giants, <laughs> Washington, teams, teams like can, that. Can we, can we talk for a moment about – shall we say, male organ measuring contest that is slowly unfolding when these GMs drop the, the, the images of their, like, virtual war rooms. Yep. John because Lynch. Lynch has, like, 15 screens, like, three yeah. lit voiceover IP phones in front of him. <laughs> like, the Chargers GM, he had a nice little setup. I mean, I saw Elways. Did you see in Elways when they tweeted it out? They had like blurred all the screens. Oh no, really? Yeah. It was like we can't even see what he's watching. I mean, it's probably like old Browns Broncos games from the eighties when he's leading the drive. But meanwhile, and then this gentleman, right, with his wired USB mouse, which who uses that in two thousand twenty? He's got his lotion. He's got his gigantic freaking binder, and he's got one laptop. Yeah, and then you saw the picture of, of, of him like head on where he's got a picture of like the New York City skyline and it's not even hung on the wall. It's like propped on the chair crown molding that goes along the wall. It's just like propped there. It's incredible. It. It's incredible. There's actually an account on Twitter that like it's like rate my Skype background or something and it's like it's you know making fun of people on like news shows when they like Skype in from home like yeah. You know, if you're watching, like, say, MSNBC, like, Claire McCaskill, the former senator, like, she does it from, like, her kitchen. Like, if you're watching, like, CNN, like, Sanjay Gupta, like, he's in, like, what looks like a closet. I want a rate my virtual war room account where it's, like, people just, like, taking the screenies of these GMs and saying, like, who's doing it well? Who's doing it poorly? Oh, man. It's it's going to be amazing. And it's only... It's only a couple of days away before all this pain is over. Oh my god! Over. I can't wait. And then we get to start it. talking about my friend, the Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence battles this summer. Oh, are gonna be going so to be brutal. And dare we even say if we're getting like we might hear today a spring college season? Yeah. Can you imagine what draft Twitter is going to be like if we have six months of buildup to this season? That's the other reason. That's the other reason that we need this draft to happen now and and figure it out later because I can't wait another two months. I can't. I can't. No, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. Like we're getting the Bob McGinn, like his series today, and they're talking about how like 
Kenneth Murray is the best linebacker in this class, like all the scouts are saying, because he's a great person. You know, he can't tackle. You know, he can't read. Right. You know, he can't diagnose. Can't cover. <laughs> can't cover. Like, you don't need to do those things in today's NFL as a linebacker, Mike, do you? No, no not at all, man. It's 1980, baby. That's what we're yeah. doing. You can do a thing where you ask, is it draft Twitter or an anonymous scout? Right. And I guarantee you, you would get half of them wrong. Like, I can't tell the difference half the time. What are these guys yeah. saying? And, like, I, I think know. somebody from PFF, I think Sam Monson pointed this out. Like, these anonymous scouts are probably the ones that aren't being listened to in the room. And they're just happy as hell that someone in the media will listen to their right. bonkers theories that nobody will listen to in the war room. Which is probably part of it, too. Like, there are scouts that are bad at their job. The way it looks on the internet is that literally all of them are just terrible at it. <laughs> and the other thing that we see is this overinflation of what you can do with a with a prospect, right? Yeah. Like, we obviously see it at the quarterback position all the time. It's like, oh, he's got a big arm. We can coach him up. Right. Really? Can you? Like, can we? <laughs> Show me the body of work where a guy has been coached up. In, like, in areas like accuracy and things right. of that nature, like the important Like, parts. if you're going to talk yourself into drafting Jordan Love in the top 15, and it's going to be with the belief that we can coach him up. It's the same thing with Kenneth Murray. Yeah. It's like the, they see the straight line speed, and they're like, well, we'll coach him up. We'll, we'll teach him how to read and diagnose. Really? Yeah. Especially That's- in this current day and age, you're going to get him ready to start week one? Yeah. And read what, you know, Aaron Rodgers is doing on an RPO design? Okay. When we come back here on the QB Sco Show, we're going to talk about quarterbacks from day three that we are going to coach up. That's yep. coming up next here on the QB Sco Show. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And we are back on the QB Sco Show, episode 57, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kist here with Mark Schofield. Went on a bit of a tangent in the first half of the show, but honestly, what's going on at this point? The takes are out there. The takes are thermonuclear at this point. It's like that scene from The Rock when they're like trying to obliterate the VX gas with that plasma strike. Like that's what we're at. So let's let's talk about some developmental day three guys that the Eagles could be targeting. One guy, Cole McDonald, quarterback, yes. Hawaii. We called them quarterback only last summer when we were going through, you know, this, yeah. the summer guys that we wanted to watch and whatnot. And Cole was a big guy on our list and had an up and down 2019 season. And of course, back in back in 2018, what really made him attractive was the run before he got banged up. I know he suffered a, a, an MCL sprain in his first game in 2018, but he played through that. And then against San Jose State, he takes a shot that led to some internal bleeding. 
And what happened was his bleeding was draining down into his coin purse. So couldn't walk for a week and missed some time after that, finished the whole season playing hurt after that. Uh, and, and then you really, just to explain like the type of roller coaster this guy is, and I absolutely love the guy. First game in 2019, he throws four touchdowns, four interceptions. And gets benched. And gets benched, right? And gets benched. And then he's brought back and he and he has some some up and down games. Last four games, he kind of leveled out. Like, I think he had seven touchdowns, zero or one interception, something like that. He's a guy that I just love for certain stretches of play. He is unafraid. He can push the ball downfield. He's got that long looping delivery. I don't care. He's plenty accurate for me. Like, it's not great. It's not bad. Uh, his high points are so darn fun. On day three, you take the flyer if you're the Eagles. You go into preseason. He throws seven touchdowns, throws seven interceptions, and I'm absolutely buzzing because it's so doggone entertaining. Tell me about McDonald. One of my favorite quarterbacks to study this entire draft class. Yeah, and another is a guy we're going to talk about in a minute. What I love about Cole McDonald, and more importantly, why I think he fits in Philadelphia. You and I have both read their playbook, right? Mm -hmm. So many route conversions, right? Yep. Every play, route's going to convert based on the coverage, right? Yep. At the combine, ask Cole McDonald his favorite play in their playbook. Now, they're running the run and shoot it. He tells me it's their streak read, which is basically four verticals. But every route will convert based on the coverage they're seeing. So if you're seeing like an off coverage, cover three look over the outside wide receiver, that vertical route's going to convert to a comeback. If you're seeing, you know, too high, those insides seam routes are going to convert to post, like bacon attack in the middle of the field. Like it all converts. Yeah. NFL stuff. Yep. Like that's route conversions that you're going to see in the Eagles playbook. So he fits in that sense. The mentality. Look, you want quarterbacks that will play the position without fear. You mentioned how he sort of leveled off in the middle to the end of the season. His bowl game against BYU, they're down in the final minutes, okay? He needs to lead a touchdown drive. They have a third and one around midfield, 50 seconds left, clock running. He drops back to throw, shallow crosser in front of his face, past the sticks, wide open, right? <laughs> College rules, you throw it. You stop the clock, you huddle up, this clock's going to stop after a first down. Nah, nope. says Cole McDonald. Nope. I see a boundary vertical attacking a too high look in the turkey hole. I'm going to take this whole shot. And he drills it in between the corner and the safety for a huge play and a first down. So I asked him about it. I'm like, look, I'm watching this game. You've got this. Why did you throw it? Why did you throw that deep route? He said, look, man. We're a counter-based offense. If you're giving me that whole shot, I don't care if it's third and one, fourth and long, first quarter, fourth quarter, I'm throwing it. I love him. And that's just incredible. I mean, that's just like what you want to hear from a quarterback because you can't play this position afraid. Right. If you're afraid to throw the whole shot in that moment, you're going to be afraid to throw it, like you said, in the second quarter, in the third quarter, when it's not a game on the line situation. You've got to have that mentality. It's the difference between Alex Smith and, and, exactly. and Patrick Mahomes, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right? Smith would have thrown the third and one. Yep. I would have thrown the third and one. What am I doing right now, Mike? I'm not getting ready for an NFL training camp. I'm chugging C4 and talking to my boy Mike when we're all locked down. Yeah. Like, that's the difference between the great ones and the okay ones. C4 and four verts. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? I'm just like a college kid cooped up chugging C4 and running four verts on Madden. But that's the difference between the great ones and the, and the okay ones. The yeah. great ones will take that throw. The final thing to mention with Cole McDonald, the dreads. Mm. Now, the best combine moment of me 
was when our boy Trevor Sykema, also somebody with glorious hair, asked Cole McDonald about the dreads because he used to have the dreads. He got rid of them. They're beautiful. And he went into this long tangent about why he originally grew them out. He was growing some hair out the back of the helmet, wanted a little bit of swag. Somebody said he should dread them up, so he did it. Took him like two years to grow them out. But he wanted to cut them because he didn't want to give an NFL team the wrong idea. And then he looked at us, Mike, and said, I always believe hair grows back opportunity doesn't mm. incredible right nailed it. nailed it like just draft this guy on day three if nothing else he is going to be glorious to cover oh just yeah. glorious he's amazing he's amazing I, I would i would die for him i would yeah. I, I would die and so for when him. they pass on him to draft like jake lutton Ugh. i'm gonna just cry because they did it to us last year right yeah exactly we banning the table for gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. banning the table for the jort man and what do we get? Clayton Thorson, a guy that yeah. we didn't understand why he was in Mobile to begin with. No, no. It, yeah. it, you can't do this to us twice, guys. You yeah. just can't do it. Just give us Cole McDonald in like the sixth round. Right. Don't give us a, a conservative quarterback, game manager. Give us a wild man. Give us an give us an Anthony Gordon from Washington yes. State. Let's go with another Washington State quarterback. You mentioned Gardner. So here's the deal with Gordon. He's a freaking mess. But man, is yep. he a beautiful mess. And I love him. One of the most fun film evaluations in this class because of that. And like I said on on last week's show with you, when Anthony Gordon looks in the mirror, he doesn't see Anthony Gordon. He sees Patrick Mahomes. Problem is, you know, he's not an athlete like Mahomes. Who cares? His arm's limited. Patrick Mahomes isn't. Who cares? But he can make, you know, the off-platform throws. He's got that bas- that, that baseball background allows him to alter his arm angle. He thinks he can do it all the time and make the no-look throws and whatnot. Overall, developmental project, of course. But again, just like the theme that we're talking about, I would rather try to tame his overaggressiveness than try to inject that fearless demeanor into a quarterback that's scared to make those throws. So so for me, he's kind of like this year's Duck Hodges, you know, from the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers. Remember when we were watching Duck during yep. that FSU game, we were like, yo, yep. this little guy, he's slinging the pill around. He does, He has no fear whatsoever. And None. I see the same thing in Gordon. Maybe he's that type of guy this year. Yeah. Look, I, I'm reminded of when I was studying Mahomes coming out. And Waldman and I did a video on Mahomes, and I pulled up. I said, Matt, when we do this video, I need you to play this YouTube clip. And what it was, you remember that World Cup final with Zidane when he had the penalty? And rather than d- drill it, he had that little like cheeky like lob shot that yeah. went in off the top of the crossbar. <laughs> it's like if you've got the onions to try that in a World Cup final, like you're going to be a, an elite athlete in whatever you're doing. Right. And I, I flashed to a Mahomes where he got pressured and he was just trying to throw an out route. And rather than drill it in there, he like lobbed it up. Like to, like a mortar shot to like drop it over the underneath corner. It was ridiculous. It was audacious. It was cheeky to use a, a soccer <laughs> or football term. But that's kind of like what Gordon, like you said, when Gordon wakes up and brushes his teeth, he sees Patrick Mahomes. And I, I told the story last week of that video that I dumped on the timeline of him wide open crossing route and he tries to no look it. There's literally, it's like that. Remember that? play from week one a couple years ago with mediocre Mitch when he had Trey Burton wide open in the end zone and when you screenshot it all you see are mediocre Mitch and Trey Burton yeah and he doesn't throw it yeah well it's like that same type of setup except Gordon throws it but he's looking at the sideline like looking at Mike Leach on the sideline as he does and he misses it by eight yards <laughs> like you don't need to do it but the fact that he tried it yeah makes me love him more like yeah. his footwork is a mess. 
Like Gardner's footwork was was tremendous. He would be like, boom, 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 through his reads, like moving his feet, always ready to throw, almost like Joe Burrow this year. Gordon drops back. It took me the longest time. Like usually I, I need like two plays to see where a guy's mechanics are. Mm. Anthony Gordon, I was like, what is it with his mechanics? Like what am I missing? Mm. Like the release is quick yet weird because he keeps the ball weird on his chest, but he doesn't move his feet at all. Like he drops – and his feet just stay there. And if he wants to throw a, an out route to the left, he's going to throw it and the feet aren't going there. Is if that, is that th- part of the problem? Because like when you're when you're reading what a quarterback and you're trying to discern what a quarterback is reading, what his progression is, it's often tied to like you try to see his eyes, you try to right. see where his feet, where his body's going. Yeah. With Minshew, you could see, okay, boom, boom, boom. He's here to here yeah. to here. You're like, Gordon, brother. What are you looking at? <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is, like, you oftentimes you try to read the, the stripe on the helmet. They don't have the stripe on the helmet. Right. So you can't tell what he's looking at. I mean, it's almost like he's fooling everybody. Like, <laughs> if you're a defender, like, you try to read him, where's he looking? Yeah. And the other thing is, like, you mentioned the baseball background. Like, the more we study quarterbacks, the more I'm wondering if you need that, right? Mm-hmm. Look at Russell Wilson. Look at Kyler Murray. Look at Mahomes. Now, these are rare talents, but they all have that baseball background. It gives you that ability to make throws from ridiculous angles. Tom Brady, he was a catcher in baseball. He was drafted to play baseball. You know, that ability to make quick throws with a quick release from any platform might matter, you know, at this position, especially when you're trying to create space to get throws off in the pocket. And Gordon has that too. Derek Clawson from Roto World, another great quarterback mind asked him about the release point at the combine and he said look i was a middle infielder i was playing middle infield before i started playing football so i'm so used to turning a double play and i'm so accustomed to just getting the ball out any way i can mm. that's gonna matter on third and eight when the pocket's collapsing and you can't escape you have to make a throw you gotta drop the arm somehow to get it out big time that definitely matters i i, I like that angle to it too i definitely think if you're trying to make your kid a quarterback man put him in baseball plus yeah. you know those guys make a lot of freaking money too. So, And you're not getting hit by the Vaughn Millers of the world. Right. Let's go to another guy. So we got Cole. We got Anthony. Two guys that, that we really like and, and I want to see in Philadelphia. There, there's a third guy that's really confusing to me. James Morgan from Florida International. Somebody – I was just listening to the uh, GM shuffle with Mike Lombardi and he said James Morgan is getting – more interest than than just about anybody from the quarterback position, not named Jordan Love. And not to say that Morgan's going to go in the first round or anything, but he's saying like a later quarterback that uh, a, team, a lot of teams are heavily vetting, which, I mean, I've seen headlines. The, Col- the Colts are closely vetting him. The Patriots are sniffing around. The When the Jets interviewed him at the Combine, you know, Adam Gase made a point where he told his offensive coordinator that Morgan could take his job. Like draft projections are all over the place with this guy. I've seen anywhere from the late second to the seventh round. I will not at all pretend to know where he lands, uh, but for someone that's 6'4", 230 pounds, solid arm, seems like an intelligent guy, understands how to protect the football, I think you are going to find some suitors, but I had a problem when I went to his film just from play to play to play, and I, and I was watching some 2018 because I was the most current All-22, and then I watched some broadcast stuff, but my first exposure to him, 2018, first game I put on, I think it was against Old Dominion. From one play to the next, it was like the first six plays. It was like, oh, okay, I see it. Oh, I don't see this at all. Oh, okay, I see it. What is he doing? And it was just played up, and he got benched that game. So, yeah. what about Morgan is attractive to NFL teams? What does he have to work on? And, and like, kind of like where do you see a stock? I guess would be like the main points to hit here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's so high variance. 
that I have hesitations with drafting him early. Like this late buzz of him perhaps getting into day two, I'm not sure I could go there. Because you mentioned Old Dominion. Like you turn on the 2019 tape and like first play, low ball carriage, curl route along the left sideline, misses it badly. Second play, opens left, that's covered, comes to right, throws a deep out route from the slot, a sail route, perfect read, perfect ball. And then a couple of plays later, first and I think this is a second and 15, rolls left, tough throw into traffic, drills it in between three defenders, moving to his left, to his offhand, ridiculous throw. Very next snap, gets strip sacked here. <laughs> Too slow, needs better internal clock, it needs better pocket presence. I don't know what he's thinking. <laughs> so that that's two different games that we watch in the first six yeah. plays that we have the exact same experience. Like, he's so high variance, but we know what gets the minds and the eyes of evaluators. It's that big arm the ability to make throws on the move, the ability to challenge windows, just like we were talking about McDonald and Gordon, like that aggression to do that, Mm. that's going to help him. The problem is I think this guy needs more work. Like I think of the three guys we've talked about, the other two I think could transition much quicker. This guy has some sort of internal clock management process and things to work out that are going to take some time. And when we're talking about this world we're living in right now, like we did in the first half of the show, which guy are you going to place your bet on Mm. out of these three? Like I, I, I know the interest in him from New England, for example, is real. I think he's more the kind of quarterback they look for than the other two guys. I think from Philadelphia's perspective, the other two guys are more the quarterback they're looking for than James Morgan. With James Morgan, what do you think is the best situation for him to kind of thrive with what he needs to work on, the development arc that he's going to be on? You mentioned the processing speed. It's not going to get a heck of a lot, a heck of a lot easier going from Florida no. International to the NFL. Right. So what do you think is a, is a good spot for him? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a situation where, again, I always come back to Indianapolis because there is that sort of track right. record with Frank Reich. Um, but it's going to be a situation where there's an entrenched starter and somebody with a, a track record of developing a quarterback. Like, look, we could say Philadelphia would be a good set-in for him mm. from his standpoint because Doug has done it with Carson. You have an entrenched starter. You might have your backup in Nate Sudfeld. Like, there, there's no impetus for him. You know, let's remember how last year sort of went. Like, Sudfeld went down. Like, you had to suddenly have Clayton Thorson as your starting quarterback in preseason games. Yeah. Like, unless something like that happens again, like, Morgan's going to get the, like – third strain like practice squad guy type treatment where you can get to learn more and run you know a smaller package of plays in the third and fourth quarter of a preseason games if we have them and so I think Philadelphia would be a good environment for him I just think more from Philadelphia's perspective looking at it from their angle I'm not sure he fits what they want but I think it would be a good setting for him yeah and I think it's interesting you know subjecting a guy like that that has so much interest around the league to the practice squad where he could get ultimately just get sniped Anyway, yeah. so maybe you're looking to make him your your quarterback too, and if you're thinking about quarterback three, well, you're gonna have to activate three. You know, I don't I don't necessarily love that. So yeah, James Morgan, really frustrating watch. I get why the NFL loves him. I mean, you look at all the all the first round quarterbacks, other than like right. like Burrow, you know, like the big arm, the big size, all that stuff. James Morgan has that stuff, but right. yeah, just a just a weird eval. So it is going to be fascinating to see where he goes. In the draft, obviously, he's interviewing well and shooting up draft boards and all those cliches and everything like that. But, Mark, I think that's going to do it for the QB Sco Show, the final one before the 2020 NFL draft. Of course, if the Eagles select a quarterback, I'll get on with you, whatever the case yep. may be. But I wish you uh, happy travels and just get through through these next two days, man, before the draft. Can we just, can we just get to Monday? Although, you know what comes. You know what's going to drop Monday morning on every single 
sports website across the planet. What's that? Your early 2021 mock drafts. Oh, God. Kill me. Kill me. Yep. They're coming. They're coming. Every year they come. And let's not forget, you're going to see names in the first round that will not be there. Yeah. Like I remember when I wrote a piece over at ICP a couple of years ago about the the way too early mock drafts, and you had guys like Tyler Bray, Matt Barkley, mm. like they were early first round. Shea Patterson, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's just their 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 watch lists. So if and when we do get a college football season, don't look at it as, as a mock draft. Look at it as a way to build a watch list. You know, you know what I don't get. I don't, I don't get, and I see this all the time, and this isn't directed at anybody specifically, but I don't understand. People are already transitioning to 2021 NFL draft takes when they obviously need work on their craft instead of taking the time. I mean, the summer for me is not for watching college prospects. I'll maybe watch like a handful, maybe like five to 10, just to get, you know, familiar with some of the main guys. But other than that, I'm watching film, I'm watching clinics, I'm trying to yeah. learn the game better and understand what works, what doesn't work, how guys translated that I had evaluated previously in the NFL. I, I just don't understand that mentality. Right. Of, Let's jump right to 2021. Learn the freaking game. Learn yeah. where you went wrong before. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm already getting into summer mode. I'm watching two different – I'm like switching between the two. Two different – outside or wide zone clinics. One that was done by the Niners offensive line coach, one that was done by the Saints offensive line mm. coach, okay? And both of them have different nuanced techniques that I'm learning about, like where to strike the front hand, where to strike the backhand, right. when making that reach block on outside zone. Like summer should be about, it should be the summer of you, right? Yeah. Now we, we all wanted that hot girl summer. Like we all wanted it. We might not get it. Gyms might still be closed. Beaches might be closed. Pools might be closed. But you can still get in front of the computer, turn on some of these clinics, learn some technique stuff, and then apply that to the next scouting season. Yeah. Because in the Saints one that I'm working through right now, they have a whole section on evaluating the running back and his execution of outside zone. Love it. Like when you're making up your mind to make your cut, when you make the cut, your the determination behind your pads, they call the demeanor by your pads. Like, are you one are you really one cut and go? Or are you gonna like chop step it because you're hesitating and you're not trusted what you're seeing in front of you? Like that nuance stuff, then apply that to the next running back class. And so fire up the clinics. Kids, if you're listening to this and you want some clinics, DM me. Maybe don't DM Mike because I think he keeps his DMs closed because, you know. <laughs> no, but you could DM each, reach out to either one of us. We could give you some clinics. We can point you in the direction of stuff to watch. You could do the Scouting Academy. There are ways to learn during the summer that will make you better rather than just diving headfirst into 2021 tape. Yeah. Or just download a bunch of Skyrim mods like I did last night and plan yeah. your summer out that way. I got a Witcher 3 playthrough that I'm still finishing up, Mike. I'm going to dive into Skyrim. You and I were talking about that. Yeah. Like, one more last playthrough, I think, of that. Probably going to do some Red Dead again. I miss Arthur Morgan. I really miss Arthur Morgan. Yeah. And I downloaded The Outer Worlds. I can't get into it, but it has potential. No, we're so, working on it. We'll, we'll have our video on. games review during the summer. Yes. We'll also throw out some clinics and talk about some of those clinics that we're watching as well so you can learn yeah. the game along with us because we're both idiots, but we're smart enough to recognize that we're idiots. That we're idiots, yeah. We're going to try to improve on that, hopefully. Exactly. Uh, and hopefully we'll bring some better content for you throughout the season because of that. So that's been the QB Sco Show. Last one before the 2020 NFL Draft. Stay safe, folks. Wash those hands. And we'll catch you next time. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. 
Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.